Gaming NBS episode 271, being recorded Monday, December 9th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad y'all here. How you doing, man? Doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. How was your last weekend? Uh, This weekend? Yeah, when we just well, passed. Well, we were supposed to game on Saturday, but uh, my buddy old my my old buddy Jeff dropped me dropped. Well, actually, one of our game groups members looking for a new job. Oh, okay. Had lunch. He said, "Yeah, since we're not playing this weekend, you know, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Eat record scratch? What? What? What now? Yeah, what are you talking about? We're not playing." He's, "Oh yeah, Jeff posted on uh, the Facebook group, but he can't do it because of homework." So I said, What's that, Jeff? You studying? You studying hard? What are you studying? What's going on? Where are your A's? Cutting grades. Sorry. So what I said was, (laughs) That's okay. Um, So Vicky, his wife, I'm like, Are you willing to play? Oh, nice. We'll play. We can play. Nice, nice. We can just play without Jeff. It's not a big deal. Yeah, if we get enough people. His wife wants to play. We'll just go over to his house and play. He can be in the basement. Doing homework. Doing homework. Like like, like a truant child. (laughs) Which is shit you can only pull off on the guys, your friends you've known for like 30 years. I could could rub this in his face a little bit. That's okay, Jeff. No big deal. Seriously. Uh, And he says, uh, man, why you got to be a dick? And I go, I'm not being a a dick. Go ahead. Do homework, man. By, By all means. Do some learning. Yeah. We'll, get edu- we'll, get, you'll get be fine. We'll get you man. on the next one. Nice. Did you play? No. <laughs> no. Joe okay. had a bad back. Oh, Lord. Vicky We're, never responded. We so. have hit an age where a bad back will throw a gamer out of gaming. Oh, commission. man. Telling oh, my you. God. We're, so, <laughs> yeah, that kind of. I started a new D&D campaign with my two kids. My, you did? At home. Yeah. AJ and Lana wanted me to run a new uh, 5E game. 5E? Set yep. in the world of? Um, they wanted to make up some stuff. So we've got um, a little town called Pine, which is outside this um, Silver Oak Forest, a little river, some stuff going on. They had a mysterious dwarf show up, try to get them on a get them on a little quest to go to Cragoth Keep. So they're figuring this out and so on. Ilana's a bard, um, a tiefling bard. And I said, you do realize tieflings are illegal. And she said, what do you mean they're illegal? Why? I said, well, they're, they're part demon. You know, it's no one likes them. It's pretty much illegal to be one. Well, I'm going to be one anyway, and I want to fight for tiefling rights. So that's that sounds great. So we gifted her a little magic ring that she can wear to keep her tieflingness hidden while she's trying to figure out how to campaign for tiefling rights. It just got a furbolg druid and a half-orc barbarian. It's some really great role-playing right up front with the dwarf. Bragi, they talk to him, try to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> they have some hints as to who Bragi may really be and why he's in town, but he pays in platinum, so hard, wow. to, say, hard to say no. Bragi's a high roller. Seems that way. And then they go out and they fight a very, very small Remoraz, a little, uh, you know, winter worm type of critter. Pops out. They almost die. Their asses beat. They finally kill it. And I looked at him and said, no, you guys realize we're all done. That was just the first fight with the new characters. Yeah. Alana, what'd you forget? Oh, I have Bardic Inspiration. I really, I forgot all my spells. Oh, I should have. AJ, what about you? Oh, my Barbarian never raged. I just, just throwing things out. Oh, my Druid forgot. 
Yep. Yep, he did. <laughs> and AJ, AJ is a student of the Monster Manual. He's one of those kids that, much like myself when I was his age, pouring it over, right? Looking at those pictures, reading all the descriptions. I described the Remoraz to, to them, and he could not at all figure out what the hell it was. So very proud of myself. I, a student of the current Monster Manual had no idea what I was describing. It made me feel good. I scared the crap out of him. I was using this DMDJ app on my iPad. DMDJ? Yes, which I Bluetoothed over to uh, a JBL speaker in my room. And so it's got some monster creeping noises and wind and stuff, and they were they were in the zone, man. They were having a damn good time. High fidelity D&D. Yeah. yeah that's what that you should get be a, I'm going to get that domain, highfidelitydnd.com. That's what you get when you game at the bread at the bread house. There you go. Everything about rocking, rocking D and D. Everything yeah. rock, rock and D and D associated. Because yeah. I uh, over the weekend, I happened to get uh, enticed about for a three month Spotify free subscription for Did three you? months. Huh? That's how they get you. They get you. I have it in my calendar to be like, <clears throat> ax that and yeah. Because uh, if you don't put it in your calendar, that's that's how yeah. they get you. Yeah, that's how they get you. And I was listening to the some eighties eighties metal rock. Like I saw a meme, I can't remember if Eileen put it up or somebody else did. It was on Facebook. It said what was it? Twenty, you know, the year two thousand is like twenty years ago, which is really weird because the eighties is like twenty years ago too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean there was album covers coming up like Sabotage and like oh my God. Oh my god, some other ones. I'm like, this is a D D album art cover. <laughs> Something like uh, it's like DCC album art, man. Oh, just something about the Pharaoh. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 all right, yeah. good stuff. Sweet man. All right, before we do too much more of that, let's knock this shit off and talk about other stuff. Uh, Evercon.org. This is the eighth of December. Evercon is happening in January, people. January. That's January. That's next month. So check that out. Go to evercon.org, and uh, you can buy your badges, get discounted rates. You can buy a T-shirt. We got some. We got a cool new design for our 20th anniversary. Nice little like dragon on a moon, 20 years Evercon thing going. Uh, the dates of the con, of course, January 10, 11, and 12. So check it out, evercon.org. Buy your badges, get signed up. Yeah, and say, hope, hope, say hope no to there. say no to nakedness. No to buy nakedness. a T-shirt. Yeah, yes. Okay, okay. Wasn't sure where you're going there. Yeah, it's buy a, kid a t-shirt, man. Gun. Okay. Don't, don't yes, go yes. around being naked. People no. are uh, topless. Yeah. No, that's that's no good, especially no. not in January in Wisconsin. That's foolish. That's right. Um, Other than that, let's see here. Oh, the um, one of the pieces of the Avalon Kickstarter, just a little side note for people, the um, the Ar- Master Ar- Archivist Collection, the print-on-demand book. Uh, for those of you who backed at that level, you have the opportunity to get a – Soccer printing of that, which would be pretty cool, all collected. But otherwise, the rest of it is coming up piece at a time over at Drive Through RPG for people who didn't back at that level and are interested in things like the Iron Shoes Adventure. We put that out there. That's ready for sale. Sold a few copies of that already, so that's kind of cool. And Blacksmith's Folly and some of the other goodies that are out there will also be hitting the Drive Through RPG. It's and a, it's a copper bestseller. The Av- Avalon book, yeah, 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 which is crazy. Because it's like that's a shit ton of copies that are out there somewhere. Let's get that to super quadruple platinum, shall we? I think that would be awesome. Yeah, just like Kiss albums, man. Yeah, I yeah. Just, I would pass out of it. <laughs> like, oh, platinum clunk. I'm down. That's it. I'm out. Anyway, triple um, platinum. Triple platinum. 
Stezak and I just got together and been talking with Phil as well, and uh, we're looking at what's going to happen for 2020 for different uh, Avalon things that we want to put out. So we doing that, and I have not forgotten Sean's um, uh, offer to help me do website stuff. So that's on the docket for 2020 as well. We might, might make that slow. Maybe maybe creep that into the gaming and BS, and then once it gets to like, yeah, maybe maybe single platinum, maybe maybe even gold. Maybe gold. Then we, split, then we split, split out. it off. and That's when the band breaks up and Brett goes solo. That's what happens. Brett, then <laughs> Brett be like, becomes, he's the lead singer and he goes on to other big, bigger and better things. And, yeah, and you'll be Garfunkel. That's just sad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's okay. That ain't going to happen, dude. First things first, I couldn't run the goddamn website without you. So I need you at least for that. Yeah. No matter what. You'll be able to pay people. You'll be able to pay your people to do that. Oh, yeah, with this huge RPG money I'm making off on the side. That's all right. Get those misdirected mark guys to do something. Those man coded designs. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, that's all I have for announcements. Do you have anything, Sean? Anything cool, new, interesting? I don't have any announcements. Well, we, we redid our website. It's a little bit of a work in progress, but it's redone. Some folks may never go there, which is fine, but... We might put some uh, different things up there. Um, oh, you, know. you did redo it. Holy shit. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah, yeah. It's still got a little tweak here and a little tweak there to do. But if you're. Uh, so we've been tossing around ideas of even changing album cover art and some other yeah. stuff. So. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. So changes things, moving it around, swapping it up. Oh, I should tell people I have a new Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, better put case, that. Uh, well. Hey, somebody else out there. It's. It's it's a new Twitter handle. So, what the hell is it? It's Farford eighty eight one, eight eight one. I think I have yes. to update on the website. I think you it's the old one. Yeah, I have to change that. Yes, Farford eight eight one. That's me now. The other one, no more. <clears throat> I promise I'll be good this time. Twitter.com forward slash what? F A F. Farford eight eight one. F A F H R D. HRD881. Yes. There you go. There you be. That's where I is. It'll be in the show notes. For anybody anybody who cares. But anyway, that's where I am hiding now. All right. Well, that's good. We're glad to have you back on the Twitter sphere because it's so (gasps) awesome. Sometimes Twitter's so awesome. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a different flavor. It's a short, it's a short form drama platform sometimes. That's right. As opposed to Facebook, which is a longer form drama platform. That's right. Sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, enough about me. Um, nothing from you, Sean. Let's go on to Random Encounter. Let's talk about other people who are much more interesting than us. All right. Random Encounter, where we talk about emails, voicemails, comments from social media, forums, etc. You want yeah. me to start? Of course you do. I, t- I talked to way damn much before. James of House Wagner. Ah, James Wagner. Wagner. Wagner, if you're Americanano. Comments on 270 Game Prep. Brett and Sean, thank you for episode 270 where you gave an expanded response to my original query on how much time you spend preparing for your perspective games. As always, you recognize that simple question is more complicated than it sounds since a game can take on many forms. One-shots, games for new players, con game, or the epic campaign game. Great conversation and wise insight. Wow, thank you. All right, now that I feel really good. Tear me I have, down. I have, <laughs> con- 
I've come to realize that game preparation follows Boyle's gas laws in that as a gas will expand to fill the space that contains it, your prep time will expand to fill the time you give it. Hmm. That's Good. that's could talk about wise, man. That's yeah. smart. I like I that. I like that. I am running Storm King Thunder for three Gen X aged guys who are playing a Barbarian Ranger and a Druid. We played a marathon session on Black Friday. Started at noon and played until 11 p.m. that night. Nice. Oh, hey, all right, man. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, a marathon gaming session, there's nothing like it. Nothing. It's good stuff. Turkey leftovers for late lunch and dinner and bourbon was banished from the table until 9 p.m. Well, I, 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 don't oh, I, I don't know if I agree with everything you're doing there, but I just want to carry on, carry on. Mileage may vary. Mileage may vary. It was great fun, and we are now making our new it our new holiday tradition. Hey, tradition was born. Nice. To DM nearly 12 hours of material required a hell of a lot of prep time for me, the DM. But as you know, Brett, prep time can become a form of meditation. I see now that preparing for the game allows my mind to not think about work or life pressures. Instead, I spent the evenings designing and building a dwarven hall where the epic drow fight occurred, where I sat at the kitchen table reskinning 4th edition monsters into minions or more interesting opponents to make the fights more epic. After listening to your podcast, I realized I was confusing preparation with work. One should stop game preparation when it becomes work. That decides how much time you dedicate to preparing. Sean, you also make an excellent point about the dangers of over-preparing and forcing content on your players because you, quote-unquote, prepared for it. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. I try to prepare in a modular fashion so that the prepared encounters or environmental challenges can be slotted in when appropriate, not just because I have them made. Some of those modules are still unused in my campaign journal. Thanks again for your thoughtful musings. I particularly enjoyed hearing in background the sound of the ice cube rolling around in what I imagined was a glass of adult beverage. Yeah, that's me. Sorry about that. (laughs) Brett and I both coming to you this week with a little little ringy-ringy. Liquid lubrication is required for recording a podcast. Indeed, sir. Happy holidays and hope you all get all the gaming gaming swag you wished for. Best regards, James. Thanks, James. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, thanks, James. <clears throat> I like I like the definition, you know, with preparation confused with work because I'll joke at, at the office and go, well, boy, oh, it's too bad work isn't more fun, someone will say. And I will quip, of course, that if it was fun, it'd be spelled F-U-N. It's not. It's spelled W-O-R-K. That is not the same thing. Yeah, granted, you can enjoy your work for a while. But um, once prepar- preparation is supposed to be fun. Part of the game is supposed to be a good time. If you if it feels like a job, like you begin to loathe it, like punching said clock, and eh, that's so much fun. That's a that's a smart uh, smart piece of advice there, James. Thank you very I much. I think he went on after that. Actually, I think he continues. If well, I'm, yeah. If I may, does. if I may quickly comment on episode two sixty four, which is descriptions and expectations in RPG, to encourage the players to be more descriptive in the interactions with the environment, I'll. Uh, I allow them to roll with advantage. If they are more specific in their interaction, even if what they specifically specify doesn't matter. For example, player, search the room for traps. Me, roll perception. Or, player, I think there may be a force plate on the floor for traps, so I am examining the gaps between the floorboards. Me, 
Okay, roll perception with advantage. Even if there's no actual trap, it just encourages them to be more descriptive and engaged in their non-combat activities. Me. You do not find a force plate, but while holding your face close to the floor, you notice a seam in the baseboard that reveals a hidden door. Nice. James, what's not going on, man? That's Sounds like shit, you're dude. clicking on all cylinders. You know, I have heard people say that you shouldn't hand out advantage too often. Because of some mechanical chicanery. Oh, I, well, oh, sorry, carry on. So I was just going to interject. So Go for it. Go the for guy it. that I had lunch with in my group, he's a big, mm. he's a statistician. Okay. Amongst other things. But he went back to school and learned statistics. We, we like him anyway. He ran a model. He ran this kind of advantage through an algorithm. Oh, did he? Apparently, and this, hey, math freaks, let me know. It only gives you – it's similar to giving you a plus three on a roll. I have heard that before. Yeah, the plus is not that big a deal. The advantage isn't. The advantage isn't. However, the emotional and sociological advantage – I have advantage. The word, I have an advantage. Uh Aha, I have a leg up on whatever this is. It's not simply doing more math. It's looking at two different things and grabbing – it's just – it's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. That's that's the kind of math I can get behind. I like that stuff. Right. Not like finance math. I hate that crap. Yeah. Bean counters. Right. <laughs> hey. Oh Lord. We may have a bean counter in our midst. Well, I know we do. We have we have uh, people who do uh, financial work. We have people who do taxes and all that stuff. I suck at that stuff, which is why I hire people like that to do those things for me at work because I'm terrible at it. Anyway. Moving on, Saul of House Morales comments on game prep as well. Dear Brett and Sean, I really liked episode 270 about game prep. I'm a big prepper knowing that most of my material will not be used, but I enjoy thinking, coming up with stuff, kind of like a story I'm building. What I also like about this kind of work is that I may not use all the information I write down. That Excuse me, while I may not use all the information I write down, I can quickly answer even off-the-wall questions much easier. I agree that different types of games, con games, one-shots, or home campaigns, um, and oh, excuse me, that is different for types of games. Good Lord, can't read today. Uh, what is weird is that I prep more for conventions games than home games. I'm with you, Sean. Oh, Saul, excuse me. Sean, uh, I think Sean and I both said a similar thing. We kind of grind a little bit more sometimes for con games. I think more about campaign games, but for cons, I usually do a bit of extra with handouts, special character sheets. By the way, Sean, I only put Brett's name first because I was going in alphabetical order. Also, Brett, were you in theater? Just wondering. Great show, guys. Yes, I was. I was indeed in theater in college. I did plays in college. I don't know why that question came up, but yes, I was. There you go. I, I think Saul's right, though. I When it comes to con games, I think because it's for people I don't know and I want to put my best foot forward. We've talked about con game prep where you do all the extra cool stuff. Hey, I got pre-gen sheets. I got this. I got a handout. Like you've talked about for forget about it. I want a steering wheel. I want this. You know, special bennies or whatever the case is and... Yeah, you can put a little bit of extra prep slash fun work into that stuff. So, Cool. Thanks, Saul. Good stuff, man. Over to you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Saul. Hermectic Gamer, a.k.a. Professor D. You, you, you passed Behold the Sword? Oh, I did. Sorry. Wrong that, that, order. That, that, that two Jump, paragraphs for the stuff in, jumping, in front of it? Jumping around. Beholder's Horde. Beholder's Horde. That's, uh, I got to remember to say it like that every time he writes in. There we go. Comments on the forums about team play or solo act. I really feel 5e is all about team play. As a DM, I most often set up encounters for the party as a whole. I always try and have shine time. 
Shine time. I like that. We got to start getting these down. Shine time. Shine time. Shine time. There we hey, go. It's shine time. <laughs> For one to two different players each session. This works pretty well most of the time. When I get a lone wolf player, I try very hard to add details that makes him need the other characters. For example, quote, wow, no matter how hard you try, you can't smash open that box. It won't budge. Maybe you should see if the rogue can pick the lock, end quote. Or something like, quote, that item looks pretty odd. You could ask the mage to give it the once over for bad magic, end quote. Sometimes this gets players to teamwork, but not always. As a player, the rare times I get to play, uh, as a player, the rare times I get to play, I always love the group effort. When a lone wolf shows up, then uh, I, as a player, which often translates into my PC, always messes with the player or character every chance I can work it in. (laughs) All in good fun, of course. I never let it ruin the player's fun. I like a happy table. I tell you, one of the things I get the older short when I read that, wow, no matter how you try, you can't smash open that box. Maybe you should get the rogue to pick the lock. (laughs) The parenthetical is, you idiot. (laughs) Shantam. I like it. I like it. And that's, and that's, that's, those examples are awesome, right? Because there's that opportunity when I do a similar thing. You know, people are struggling, fighting. Oh, God, I can't figure this out. Well, now your character would remember that Sean's character, you know, the you know Lothar the Powerful had just come back from that. Oh yeah, that's right. Lothar knows that stuff. I should go over there and check out Lothar and see what he's got going. So, there. Sometimes reminding players, as uh, Beholder says, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's a good way to go. I like it. I've done that type of thing myself many times. All right. Now, Rekta Gamer. Oh my God, this is a long one. I should let you have it. Anywho, comments on the forums. What do you want to see out of new RPGs? <coughs> Better get ready here. I really like this episode because it made me think more about what I like in the games I like and what I don't like. Very much with the idea that the mechanics support the tone and would agree that D&D doesn't quite do that, but it's a generic toolbox. I know and have been with <clears throat> like an old comfortable friendship. I also like materials that are evocative and inspiring. The original Vampire and 2nd Edition really did that for me. The richness of the lore and intricacy of it hit a sweet spot. I'm back you on that one. I jumped on Fate because it felt like a, it would be a way that the mechanics fit the flow the way you would create whatever kind of theme and feel the group wanted. But I struggled in reading it to see how those rules really worked at the table. Most recently, FFG Star Wars is an interesting thing. I think it's an example of the uh, where the idea of the mechanics aligning with that Star Wars feel hits right on along with the art and just loving Star Wars. Hence my penchant to keep buying them despite not playing. However, the way the rulebooks are written, explained, kind of turned me off and left me really confused. If <clears throat> It felt like me reading a differential calculus textbook. I think I had gotten the starter box first. It might have helped. I found out to understand the rules. I had to watch a ton of YouTube tutorials and listen to several podcasts live plays just to really get it. This brings me to a question. Is it just me or do others find it sometimes hard to grok rule sets out of the book? I found that increasingly I've had trouble really understanding how a set of rules really play at the table. Maybe it's always been this way because I learned D&D by figuring it out as we played, and I don't think I ever really read A&D, AD&D from cover to cover with the intent to understand how it played it, <laughs> how to play it, excuse me. But I figured out Vampire just fine. Maybe it's being old, overworked, and dealing with a decade of dead brain or dad brain. Same thing. Same thing. 
As a dad, I can admit to that. Uh, maybe it's that I don't get to play anything lately, so I'm actually rusty and clunky in my RPG brain. What do y'all think? Well, first, uh, Hermetic Gamer, I did a horrible shit job reading that, so I apologize. <laughs> my God, talk about fucking dead, dead brain over here. Um, I will say, one, if you tried to read the first edition of AD&D rulebooks cover to cover with the intent of learning how to play, I don't think it will work very well for you. So that's a, It's a rough read. Um, I don't think you're alone, man. There's a number of times I've read a game, and, wow, that's really cool. I'll go back to... Uh, Ron Edwards, Sorcerer game. I bought that at Gen Con, I think the last Gen Con that was in Milwaukee. Edwards was there, walked by. He's a guy from the old Forge, right? And he sees my buddy Lenny and I looking at him. He goes, hey, you looked at my game. Get over here. I got to talk to you about it. It was a great pitch. We both bought it. He explained it. It sounded great. We went home, read it. said, oh, this could be fun. We fucking failed, man. We just it could, we couldn't figure out how to make it work. It was clunky. Didn't like it. It was just weird. We just couldn't seem to make it function. And I talked to other people like, wow, it's so hard. All you do is X. I'm like, oh, yeah, it totally makes sense. Go back to the table and bang, just flatlined <laughs> every time. And I think there are some – everybody learns different. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, other episodes. Like, How do you digest games and how do you figure out how they work? And it's not always easy. And some of them – seem like really good ideas and sometimes you start reading them and like eh, I don't know and I was reading a rule book a while back and I would I got distracted every time I get about a quarter into it I would keep getting distracted as to how I was going to modify the game I'm going to house rule this I'm going to change this oh I don't like this anyway I'll tear that out and finally I got to the point of, why am I, I this is dumb I'm, why am I keep why do I keep reading this you know this is it doesn't make any sense so sometimes I think we get caught up in how do I say this? So you know, we'll read something and then overanalyze the shit out of it, like I did in that case. Like you know, why am I? Why does it play like this? I think I'll change it. Blah blah blah. We're, we're breaking things right out of the gate. And other times, honestly, sometimes I think we don't. We're afraid to fail because our our, um, our our free time is so precious. So Sean and I are like, hey, we want to try this game. This sounds great. Okay, we're going to get together and try a game. And we all know that you could try it and fail. You could try to run Cold Shadows. It might not be fun. You could try to run Cypher System, and we might not, might not enjoy it. We could try to run Savage Worlds. It turns out it doesn't work well for Brett or whatever. And we kind of don't want to waste the time trying something new, which is a weird thing because gamers, generally speaking, we like new stuff. We like to buy and cherish all the new things. But there's, I think there's a fear in there that if I try this and it's a complete clusterfuck, man, I just... Uh, I wasted my Saturday trying to get people to play Fancy Flights, Star Wars, and it just was a terrible game. And you feel horrible about it. You know? Sean, what are you thinking? I'm kind of babbling here, but this gave me some thought. What do you? Well, I, I think that I do myself uh, learn better after playing or viewing it. However, Star Wars RPG, I could see where it little be it would be a little bit overwhelming or strange. But once you start playing, it is really pretty fluid. It, and as a matter of fact, a lot of the rule book, so even those splat books, if you had a splat book for D&D or even Pathfinder, where it would bring you more feats, more pluses, more whatever, tweaks, mm -hmm. um, kind of features, additions, whatever you want to call it, buffs, the splat books in Star Wars FFG seems very kind of the same 
So if you get, okay. you know, an armor, it's going to, it's always based upon moving a die, you know, lowering mm-hmm. a die, giving you an additional die. So it's not really, and you go to the next one and it's like, oh, you get to add or you get to take away one of these or you get to add one of those. So it's it's pretty smooth as it runs that way. But I do see a lot of folks that could benefit from watching how a game is played. As a matter of fact, Satine Phoenix, mm-hmm. before she was Wizards of the Coast and uh, I can't remember her what she does right now, um, yep. what it's called, but um, she did RPG school. Oh, yeah, with, back with Chad Parrish. With Chad Parrish. And they would have the designer on, the developer of their game, of a game, and they, that person would run them through a particular encounter using the mechanics of the game. And a lot of people really like that show. And unfortunately, it's not. They died. Yeah, I don't know if it's even, I don't know if it's out there you can get some of the back episodes. Well, I think the answer here to. Uh, but I think term- there's a market for that, honestly. Oh, there is. Yeah. And I think I think that. We've talked about this before. I mean, if you listen to the Streets of Avalon podcast, mm-hmm. the actual play, that's not going to teach you nope. how to play D&D. It will mm-hmm. teach you what the feel of Avalon is, which right. is the which was more of a point, but it's not a D&D instructional thing. No. Most and actual plays aren't. No, they're not. Right. They're not really at all. And I being a good teacher is hard. My wife's on school board. I teach martial arts. I have, you you try to teach somebody something to be a good teacher, and so, <laughs> we, we've all met some of the really, really good ones. They're really good, and it's not easy to teach people games. Hermetic Gamer is a teacher. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> I didn't know. I yeah. didn't. I don't know the handle. My yeah. bad. Yeah. No, I, I know him. I know who he is. Okay, yeah. so it's tough. Yeah. It's super freaking tough. Yeah. It's not to and say every, that it's easier just because he is one, but yeah. No, yeah. and I think if nothing else, then with that lens, knowing that, if I slide that lens in front of me, I mean, this is, this is pretty insightful. Like, hey, how... I think the question here that Hermetic Gamer is asking is, is it just me or do others sometimes find it hard? I think the answer is yes, we all do find it hard sometimes. Some people will, may not want to admit that they find it difficult, but the first time I, I read through Ars Magica, uh, the third edition one, back when White Wolf had it, I read it and went, oh, this sounds really cool. And I, to the life of me, I, I couldn't ever figure out how it actually worked. Um, Warhammer fantasy role-playing first edition my favorite version of warhammer it's not an easy game to figure out because the way the book is laid out you read that fucker and you're like okay i got it and someone says where's the rule for that and much like first edition AD&D, it's on page 5 20 16 back to 110 and over on 215 good times yeah i mean it's it's not, <laughs> it's yeah, not baby. like which is why i keep telling people buy if you want to learn it buy osric read that you'll understand it soup to nuts much easier anyway point is is i think Hermetic Gamer is dead right. We all have pro- problems doing certain things. And I think you're also super correct, Sean. There is a market for a podcast or somebody who is able to break it down and say, this is how you play this game. This is mechanically how this flows. And it's one of those things that almost doesn't even have to be entertaining. If it could be entertaining, it'd be great. But even if it was like, okay, we're going to have a fight. We're going to play Star Wars, Fantasy Flight Games, and we're going to have a laser gun battle. Here's how this works. Here's how this works if you use force. Now, if I do this and I do this, and these are the mechanics behind it. You can't get to everything, but to just explain the core mechanics, the one-offs, 
shit, man, for Pathfinder and 3.0 and 3.5, somebody would have said, this is how grappling functions. And I could listen to somebody actually run a grappling encounter. I'm like, oh, I think I get it. At least it's something I can reference all the time. Yeah, I think that's something. That is definitely something. And it's RPGs are weird because their theme, instruction manual, theory guidebook, um, everything and every, anything all at once. It's trying to serve so many different masters all at the same time. <sighs> anyway, good thoughts, Mark Gamer. Thank you very much. Good, good stuff. Yeah, Prof B. Matt, Matt V writes in. So to counter DM Kojo, I want to have a session zero. I like having pieces at the table, especially poker chips and cards, and love gaming with battle maps, but have no problem with theater of the mind, but prefer games designed for map play where I can use theater of the mind as a backup tool. Cool. I also think Savage Worlds plays super fast, furious, and fun. Luckily, we live in the golden age of gaming, so there's more than enough games to hit most desires. I think a big takeaway here is most games aren't going to appeal to all players. Probably not even most players. Damn straight. For Charlie Benson, I believe Adventure League is set up in many campaigns for each session. You could start season. with <laughs> with each for each season. Not session. I can't read. I can edit. Apparently, I can edit Sean while he reads. I can't read myself, so this is all I got. You could start with the session zero one for any of the AL campaigns that luck fun. And then if it ropes them in, you have a nice mini campaign. But each piece is also its own episode. Huh. Looks. <laughs> campaigns that look fun. Yeah. I think you meant look <laughs> fun. Also, while my only my opinion, level after session one, even if they shouldn't normally be allowed, doing the first advancement quickly helps a lot with game momentum. In general, I'm not go big on splitting the party and usually like to do that in downtime type of situation. The main problem for me is momentum, or as Sean said, the time it takes. If I have six players and each player's each player smash scene is two minutes, that means each player has 10 minutes before he's engaged again. I don't have any player currently at my table who's not going to check out if I have to do a second rotation of that. And most will be lackadaisical before I even get to them from the first smash cut. I had a group about a decade ago that I could probably pull it off with, but since then it just doesn't work that well for my gamer's momentum. My game's momentum. Getting everyone back into the game when three side tangent conversations is going on is difficult. Sometimes even I get caught up in it and realize an hour flew by. I usually run my games episodically, so don't like to BS haha too much. Also, some players are just bad at doing their own thing, so often they get it out. Oh, God, I cannot read. Neither you nor I, man. So, this, is a, this is a struggle. Struggle bus is real. So often they get left out. Usually these are already the players with the least shine time. What? Shine time? Shine time. Shine time's back, baby. Shine time, baby. Shine time. Once again, obviously a stronger group helps with this, but have a pretty mixed group right now. I think the format works great on play-by-post play. However... I haven't done it in years, but played a little back in the day, and obviously splitting the party there has no time impact on the table. I used to do a lot of that stuff by email in between game sessions, but only one of my players 
ever checks his email anymore. <laughs> Damn, millennials, get off my yard. I ran a Thieves Guild campaign way back in 2E where I did a lot of stuff with players individually, but usually that happened when no one was there or they were doing something else, like I had a sleepover. Yeah, that long ago. While I definitely think the setting needs to make sense for splitting the party, I actually disagree with Brett. And think, oh. oh, hey, oh. See, that's like a, it's like a plus one forward for Sean. Be- yeah. Because and- Brett gets, he gets, I get plus one and then Brett gets sick back minus one. Yeah, I don't know what we're at now. That's all right. I don't like it. And uh, Actually, I disagree with Brett and think the system is more important, especially if it's in terms uh, outside of RP scenarios, such as investigation. Going to visit your mother, fine. Going to split into three teams to investigate these cultists, maybe not the best idea. I ran a Pathfinder uh, actual play. Yep. Uh, a long time ago where the party had three clues. It's Adventure Path, actually. Ah, there you go. Pathfinder Adventure Path a long time ago where the uh, party had three clues and went to investigate them all in three groups of two. I caught a lot of bodies that night, four out of six, I believe, and it was all in a city campaign where the players were never more than an hour from each other. However, each location had combat encounters, and I'm a dick, and I don't pull punches and love killing player characters, <laughs> especially when they aren't stupid. So Did it you? matters if players can get away if something happens. Are you dropped in one or two hits? Can you sneak or talk your way through a dangerous situation? All these, all this stuff matters and is much more determined by system than setting, in my opinion. And obviously you can pigeonhole this into any game, but I like a lot of variation in my game. So if I want to if I want that in my game personally, I'd use the system that fit it. For instance, DD and Savage Worlds are pretty terrible and very deadly at that. While Fate and Powered by the Apocalypse systems are great at that, and even built for it to an extent. Interesting show though, guys, on something I haven't really thought about as a style in a while. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Very Ooh, cool. Matt. That was good stuff. I think, while I don't 100% agree with Matt, what I hear here is, at the beginning, you know, not all games are for all players. And what Matt is telling us here is that a couple things. One, savvy enough gamer that he knows his group, what will and won't work for them. Hey, I can't do that with this group. They can't. They can't handle smash cuts and waiting around. That's not their style. They can't do that. And in order for him to get the biggest bang for his buck out of that type of setup, he wants a mechanical system that supports the type of play. That helps him as a game master. That is what that's freaking wisdom right there, folks. Yeah. That is that's good stuff. Yeah. Smart enough to understand the group and what he needs to pull it off. Yeah. That's good. That is good shit. Sure. Very good stuff. Right. And let's just with that, thanks, Matt Man. We'll go on to the main topic. All right, what are we talking about, Brett? House rules, Peter Isaacs. House rules. Peter Isaac wrote us and said, hey, had an idea for an episode. House rules, home rules. Which ones for which games? Why do they make the system better? Any bad home rules that past GMs use? Maybe a home rule that works across multiple systems. And we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but again, it's been five years, and God knows if we did it well or even poorly or however well we did it in the past. 
I thought let's talk about house rules a little bit here. So, Sean, when I think about a house rule, my definition of a house rule is something that my group and I have decided that we're going to do that we feel is either replaces, substitutes an existing rule in a system or is filling a gap that we don't think exists. Does that fit your thought? That's how I would define a house rule. Sure. Yeah? You don't agree? I think I think yes. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can change it later. I just wanted to kind of level a little bit here. A gap? Yeah. Or what? What did you say? A gap or a, a replacement. Or a replacement. Yeah. Substitution. Yes. Hmm. Sure. Well, well so substituting let's start. could be anything. I mean, that'd be yeah. like. Well, let's start here and we'll go in and uh, we'll change our minds halfway through. So, <laughs> Sean, do you. So here's a question for you. Why do why do gamers want to make. We house rule the shit out of stuff, man. Gamers do. I don't. You don't? No. Are you the only person I've ever met who plays Monopoly by the rules? What is the rules for Monopoly? I think a lot of people play it wrong. Yeah, though they do. I yeah. never, I have never once in my entire life played Monopoly by the rules as written. You got to watch the documentary. Probably. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a documentary on Monopoly. It's actually pretty good. But, I mean, <laughs> well, when I see stuff out there, I mean, some things I, I put out here for thought is, you know, I'll talk to gamers like, oh, we house ruled that. Like, why? Well, they're trying to fix a broken rule, what this perceived as broken. They want to smooth out something complicated or applying a rule sometimes where there isn't one, right? So we've talked about this with rules we don't use or something, um, like, say, for grappling. Somebody like, oh, my God, the grappling rules are too complicated. So we made up our own. We've replaced the grappling rules with something smoother, faster, less complex, or more realistic. In some cases, people add critical hit charts and specific encounter, uh, excuse me, um, specific rules for certain types of encounters and and how they do how they do all sorts of different things like that. And it seems the other thing I notice is that we often will build house rules to have play be more effective for the group in some way, where people are like, well, you know. We're trying to accomplish X, the system. Oh, we, if only we could do this, that would let us be more effective or keep the game moving along those lines. This is where I look at um, hero points. A friend of mine used to have those because that was a big thing for him is you want to keep the group together. And instead of having a DM fiat or some kind of a, hey, you lost another character in the minds of Fandelver, and hey, do you turn a corner, and there happens to be a prisoner named Billy Bob, and Billy Bob is the new druid, so there you go, you got your druid back. Where he would have hero points you could use to, like a fate point or something, a dark side, light side point, implementing those. And I've also seen house rules implemented when people don't bother read the actual fucking rules, and they, <laughs> they're like, you know, I really know what the real rule is. I don't want to look it up right now, so how about we do this? And it becomes a thing that everybody loves. It's just how you play. And next thing you know, someone reads the rule and goes, hey, Brett, you know, we've been doing willpower wrong in Vampire all these years. And I look them in the eye and say, no, we haven't. <laughs> Why? And, they, and yeah. they don't game with us anymore. And they haven't been seen since. That's legacy, baby. <laughs> exactly. It's legacy. So does any of that matter? Matter? Does that sink with you in your brain? Do you think those are reasons? You got any other reasons why you have seen or you yourself have implemented house rules? 
No, those are are big reasons why I would. The the big I mean, the only time I've ever really implemented house rules is when uh I think when I've played AD&D. And I don't this was fairly recent, although I don't remember playing AD&D. But one of the things I think I, maybe I was going to and then I just brought up these things, but it was like the level constraints on demi humans. Yep, I'll get rid of that. Yeah, just get I won't rid use of weapon it. speed. Yeah, no weapon speed. No weapon effects versus armor. Yeah, no, yeah, no. No, no, no. Level limitations. Bah, throw that no, out. right. Which yeah. is a house rule because the rules themselves say, you know, I mean, it's not a replacement slash elimination, perhaps, of a rule. And I'm not sure. Now, why would you want to do that? You say, hey, I don't want to do that. You're doing that because. Well, because somebody's going to want to play an elf and they don't want to play him up to ninth level. They want to go up to like 10th, 12th, 13th. It's the whiny bastard. <sighs> is that the thing? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Or, or, are you, or are you looking at that saying, I don't like that. I think that rule is dumb. Therefore, I'm going to ignore it or change it. Well, part of me is not a big fan of house rules. I mean, why? Because one, why it takes effort to come up with house rules unless you're running the game all the time, right? Oh, this is my game. Every time I play this game... It's always going to be X, Y, and Z. So let's just remove those. Here, here, let me just give you my house rules manual. Here, here you go. Yeah. Because so when, whenever when I, I run BX, yes. it's always going to be this. So here, just bloop. Here's the document I share every time I run BX. Go back to my super ass long, you know, 15 plus year white, white wolf campaign, storyteller stuff, vampire, whatever. Everybody played with me. If anybody says, how does this work? Everyone could, it was undocumented, never written down. Which we joke now because it's been so long since we played it. None of us remember how we actually did it. So I think we could do it exactly as we did back in the day. But because we played every week, all the time, for years and years and years, it was very easy to say, oh, this is the rule. This is how we do this. Everyone just knew what they were. So to your point, the consistency. I think one of the dangers of house rules is kind of where we're getting into is like, if it's undocumented or inconsistently applied, then it's worse than like a bad regular rule or or something, you know? True, true. Because and when it's not documented and handed out, no one knows what the fuck is. How's it supposed to work? Well, right, and that's kind of why I don't like them very much. I mean, I I do. There is something to be said about. Oh God, I, it's this whole argument about playing the game by the rules. Well, you know, this rule's dumb. Okay? So I think this goes... And this rule's dumb. All right? And that rule's dumb. And this rule's dumb. And that rule's dumb. Well, now it's like, well, are you even playing the same damn game that you set out to play? Yeah. So I think we've talked about this in the past. And one of my favorite Matt Colville videos is the map is not the territory. And that if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's wisdom. And it's like, look, I own this game. I'm not leasing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not leasing Pathfinder. I own it. I own a recipe for chicken cordon bleu. The recipe is not the dinner. The screenplay. Dude, do not tell me you are comparing cooking food with running a game. No. How you not? How how do you not compare them? How do you not compare them? Oh, so it's they're like apples and oranges, man. They're both fruit. No, not at all. Oh, you're you're crazy, man. It's a script. So you have to you have to follow the instructions exactly the same. Then how come when you go into a restaurant, their cheeseburger tastes slightly different than the other people's? 
Yeah. Their, rat- their ratatouille is slightly different than yours. Why is that? Well, who's who's doing it wrong? A, oh, you really want to get into this analogy. So I am going to consume your food that you've decided to house rule on how you how you create it. That's and every I'm fucking restaurant eat, you've ever been to. And I'm going to eat it. <clears throat> every restaurant you've been to. Yes. Right. But the difference is that a game is socially it's a it's a social component. There's a social component of it. Where, There's a social component to eating. If I don't no, like it, I tell no. people it sucks. Well, that may be. That may be fair. Yes. Sure. If I don't like it, I tell people it was terrible. They don't know how to do it. But what you're not doing. consulting me with that. Consulting. You consulting. With that. That's a strong word. You're not. You're not talking to me about it. You're like, hey, I'm going to make this cordon bleu in your example, and I'm going to put mm-hmm. more salt in it than usual. Oh, people do this all the time. Go out to any message board anywhere, dude. Go to a Reddit thing about food and cooking. Yes. There's entire fucking cookbooks about that. Of course. But I'm not – You're, but many times in the restaurant industry, that chef isn't coming out to ask me if I want more salt in my cordon bleu. No, but the people who are reading the, the, the recipe book are. This is what I'm talking about. You bought the recipe. You bought the book. You can make it whatever you want it to be. Uh, so I think I understand your analogy. I just think it's not the best. I don't. I don't have another analogy because there's nothing else exactly like role playing games. Screenplays similar. Uh, yeah. This is the screenplay for, you know, Star Wars. It is not Star Wars. The thing on the screen is Star Wars. If you read a Shakespearean play, it does not have all of the noodly nuances of stage direction. And. It, and blocking and all that stuff, it does not exist. The plays I did in, in college and the plays I've seen my daughter do and I've helped other people do, it comes down to the director and the actors deciding and, and figuring out how who's going to stand where, how they're going to project, what the costuming looks like, all that stuff. What I'm saying is that the, that game, right, <clears throat> you can't look at it and say, I, I guess I'm responsible for – having a good time at my table, just like you're responsible for having a good time at my table. All of us gamers were there to have a good time. We're all there to do this collaborative thing, right? I a agree. Good pl- I, a good play. I, I concur. Agreed. Okay. So when you house rule something, if you're doing it with that in mind, like, hey, we've agreed that our D&D, the way we're playing Dungeons & Dragons right now, um, we don't think that the swimming rules are effective for the type of game we're playing. So we'd like to change the rules on swimming. Well, no, okay. I have a question now. I want to full like uh, okay. interject. So when you talk about house rules, yeah, are you implementing them as the dungeon master, and that's the deal, or are I've you seen saying, them both? I've seen them both sides. Right. When players raise their hands and say, "Can't I think we should?" This rule doesn't make sense. Wouldn't it be easier if, or hey, I know there's no rule for this, but I was thinking there'd be X. So you've seen it either way, it doesn't matter, yes. and it's all yes. good with you. Yeah, and okay. we and we can look at it as a group and say, you know what we're going to do right now? I'm going to let you do that. Huh, so we're saying that you can use willpower this way? Yes, we're going to do this. So, Brett, what is your, what's your preference? Because you're a house ruler guy. What, so what's your preference? You just kind of pref- come to the table with your house rule book? No, what I what I prefer to do is at the beginning of a game say, all right, this is what we're playing, this is how we're doing it, and so on. If there's something drastic within a rule system I don't like, I usually don't bother to play that game. Okay, so that's right? fair, right? That's kind of yeah. what I'm getting at, yeah. Yeah, so I try not to play that game. Now, partway through a game, we run into a thing. 
Like, wow. Um, in 3.0 and 3.5 D&D, there was no CMD, excuse me, CMB, CMD. Correct. It was a, it's the, yep. it, yeah. It's like the Pathfinder Pathfinder, piece, yeah. Pathfinder blend, which is fucking brilliant Ca- in that combat, complicated game. Combat maneuver defense. And, yes. Yep. So if you want to trip somebody, grapple somebody, do that. Oh, my God, there's a stat. Oh, that made life easier. Before that, we all had decided grappling fucking blows. Right. This is driving us nuts. Let's do this other thing instead. Let's do a simple check. And that's what we did. Because, like, man, this is driving us nuts. And as soon as we found out the Pathfinder covered that angle, like, all right, that helped drive us over there. Because at the time, that's what made the most sense. But when I show up at a game, like with my kids, I say, hey, this is the setting. Um, the setting um, is tieflings are illegal. And Ilana's like, oh, as I said at the beginning, oh, wow, ooh, tricky, blah, 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 blah. That's a house rule. That's a setting. Is it a house? Now, do you consider that a house rule? Or is there a difference between a house rule and a setting? And a setting constraint. I don't know. Yeah. I've had people say those – I've had that term house rule and setting constraints or limitations be the same thing because by the rules, there's nothing that I see there that says this race only available in these five settings. All other settings, these are not available, right? Well, right. I at, least think, in, I think, at least in D&D. At least yeah. in D&D. In other game settings, they very well may say, look, this is not a player character race, you dumbass. This, you know, when you pick up your Middle-earth role-playing book or your Iron Crown stuff, it doesn't say, hey, here's the Black Trolls, by the way – they make great player characters. Uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't fit. Right. But anyway, um, where the hell am I going? <laughs> I, I, I guess so, how totally. the rule versus setting your time about tieflings. Not being yeah. And allowed. I'm like, you know, there's what I do is when I'm when I'm running the game. So, OK, this is what it is. So on and so forth. It usually it starts with setting constraints like, hey, here's the limitations. This is what it is. Avalon's low magic or it's a higher magic world or whatever the case is. Or it's called Cthulhu in the 30s. Therefore, you don't have the cell phones and so forth. There's limitations and things you can and can't do. As we go along, something will come up. And usually, if the core mechanic, be it a percentile system like, or a point spend or a D20 roll, if the core mechanic doesn't seem to do it, like if there's a chase mechanic, we talked about chase mechanics before, and we try to run the chase mechanic by the rules, and we go, wow, that was neither thrilling nor fun. Clunky, clunky, clunky. Yeah, I don't. I kind of see where they're going with this, Brett, but it feels like a board game to me, and I didn't like that chase. They say, okay, how about next time we do this other thing? Everyone goes, ah, oh, yes, let's try that other thing. And we do the other thing, and everyone goes, ah, oh, that was fucking brilliant. Oh, that was great. Compared to that other thing, you, you're spitting diamonds over there, big guy. Chances are it's not perfect, of course, because it's something I came up with, which, you know, whatever. But like, oh, okay, we like that better. And then we say, all right, that's how we'll do chases. Sounds good. Off we go. I don't often find that the house rules go from game to game to game to game so much as campaign. They're consistent within the constraints of the campaign. One of the reasons is we don't document them as a group. My groups don't. We say, hey, this campaign we're playing in Sean's, you know, Keep on the Borderlands game, we made a rule that this is how, you know, survival works in the wilderness. We changed it so that the Goodberry spell, to steal something from uh, the animated spellbook, the, um, go to YouTube, look him up, he's funny as hell. The Goodberry spell now doesn't utilize, it does, it burns up the component. So 
those little uh, mistletoe berries or whatever it is you, you pull, they, they're burned up. You only get so many. Where otherwise, by the rule, the spell you can use in perpetuity as long as you have the components. So survival and food is never a problem because you have enough for your group of four players. But you say, ah, we're going to change that because I want to make this a little bit tougher survival games. We're going to change this rule for this campaign. Ah, yes, that sounds great. Ah, it'll be tough and hardy and we'll have to survive out here in the wilderness. That sounds great. We won't have this easy out spell. Okay, cool. We get that. And my crew and I, when we look at that stuff, when I see or hear about good house rules are the ones that are designed to help they're not trying to break the game, making things super easy for the good guys or super easy for the bad guys or anything like that. What we're trying to do is build something that helps this style of play keep going. We've got a thing going here. We're cooking. We're cruising. We really, really like what we're doing. And we've run into a speed bump of some kind. Don't like it. We want to flatten that sucker out so we can just keep hauling. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, but what you're telling me though is you don't house rule stuff yourself. If I had to play a game that required it, sure. So, let me think about this. Yeah. You're going to forget about it. I do. Yeah. Anybody here know savage rules? No. All right, fuck <laughs> it. You just house ruled that entire session. Kind of. Kind of my ass. You didn't use the rule book at all. Well, it isn't to say that I didn't follow the rules. In other words, I didn't. I didn't. What are the savage rules? Rule. What are the savage world's rules for chases? Did you use those mm. for stunt driving with a flat tire? Oh, did you check those? I don't know. I don't know about that one. No, I, yeah, I, I probably I, did. I probably did. It, it's not the end of the world, but you house ruled a little bit. It, it, yeah, I guess to some degree, sure, I could see that. Um, at the same, you ever, you ever hand wave anything in a campaign? Oh come on! Now we're starting to get into craziness now. The rule it rules is written. You don't hand well, wave that's... anything. The rules is written. Never allow you to hand wave. <laughs> now don't say anywhere about hand wave. Page five. Man, if you want to get into that shit, then it's like almost any game anybody's ever run has been house ruled, which I think is a complete. I think then you're ding. No, then I think you're. Then I think you're. <laughs> then I think you're not as serious about the actual house ruling. Like I think when people say. All right, house rules. Yeah, right. I'm giving you. You know shit what I'm now. saying? I'm though. taking. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. What, what I'm talking about are things like, hey, the Goodberry rule. Yeah. Or I don't like the way the swimming rule is. Right. I grappling blows. Or hey, we want to burn willpower differently. Could we do instead of short rest, long rest? Can we do this other thing? Hey, instead of light side, dark side at the beginning. How about I'm going to ratchet up the tension and. Every time you have a horrible bocce type die roll, I get to add a dark side point. And if I have a horrible dot bocce, when I get to do this, yeah, I'm making this up. Yeah, yeah. Know the, sure. But and people might be, oh, that sounds great. That's a house rule. I agree. It's to influence the style of play, keep it rolling. I agree, but I also think that by dismissing rules can be a house rule. I think their house rules to me are almost pre-established. Well, established, huh? Eh, so I think the the premise is. So when you think house rule, you think a stylistic thing, like hey, Jeff's game. Is that what you're thinking? No. All right, I'm, maybe. I'm let you talk. Keep going. Keep going. I was just going to say that it doesn't have to be pre-considered mm-hmm. on the upfront. 
But there Correct. is there is a I think how you define a house rule. Okay, it's it's a rule that you determine for your game that's outside the rules is written. Fine, great. It needs to be in a house. It, it needs not to be in a house. house. <laughs> Apartments don't count. Right. Those are apartment no, rules. Different a, things. Very transitory. That's right. At the same time, I think in order, most of them, not all, and they can, there's flexibility in this, is usually setting the expectations amongst everybody. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and how you do that is, you, I would say, usually on the upfront, sometimes it's during play, of course. You come across mm-hmm. something like, hey, these chase rules suck. This is how I'm going to kind of do it. Is everybody cool with that? Yes, sure. Okay. Next chase rule come, chase comes along. Hey, we're going to do this, rules. We're going to do the same thing we did last time. Is everybody cool with that? Sure. That becomes kind of an unspoken house rule. Yep, that's fine. the thing you do. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yes, it happens. However, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say me personally, I don't have a doc, I don't have a manual or a lot of things in my brain when I run a game where it's like I'm going to change this, 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 and this. Like, it's not an ongoing thing. So I think. So in your head, when you're encountering a rules thing, you're like, oh, well, that's the way the rule is. Let's just do it and go. Well, I'll try to follow the rule. Or if it, it just makes sense because of the timing, then I'll just, you know, somebody be like, Sean, what you're talking about is a house rule. You're house ruling it. You're on the fly, which is great. I guess what I'm trying to say is I probably look at it as more as a defined, preconceived, like intentional thing. Repeatable, intentional thing. Because what you're saying is I hear you saying it more as a – I ran into a scenario or two that we had to get past it and we happened to use a similar type of approach. That's not a house rule. House rule is a repeatable, regular thing that this group of gamers knows this is how we use willpower here. Or someone, it wasn't like a one-off thing right. where somebody was allowed to burn all their willpower because it was a special exception. Or somebody's going to say, if you did it more than twice, then you house ruled it. Eh, fine, 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 fine. But I get it. I yeah, get most of the times it's it's I'm not having to do that because I'm playing games that don't require a ton of that. Where some people are playing games where they just love that's what they that's why they play that game. Because oh, yeah, they, they house rule the crap out of it, and then they make it castles and crusades, and they make it. I don't know, DCC or whatever, and then yeah, it just yeah. becomes another game, which is fine. Absolutely. Isn't it funny, Absolutely. though? You'd be like, all right, I'm going to house rule D&D, and then it became their own thing, and then they published it as their own game, and guess what? Then they house, house rule that. that motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> have you ever, I've not, so I have not found, um, one of the things that Peter, to go back to his initial, I have not had a, a home rule that's like transition across multiple systems. Like, hey, this worked over here. We have usually, in my groups, mucked around with mini games or small people, like grappling, pick on grappling. Oh my God, grappling's a son of a bitch. Well, in Rollmaster, let's do this. Hey, in uh, World of Darkness, we'll do something. In. Fuck, I don't want to deal with the penetration rules for firearms and goddamn Call of Cthulhu. So how about we just do this other thing? I'll just double the damage. Yeah, fine, we'll double the damage. It doesn't – it's nothing I've carried from game to game like a house rule-wise. I have had some really bad house rule experiences, and it, those house rule experiences that are bad to me have been when I've joined a group um, – and they don't bother to explain it to you. And you walk into something and they gleefully watch you get your character dead. Teehee, you didn't know that was a house rule. Every time you, you know, do this thing, you explode. What? What? 
Oh, I'm sorry. The DM forgot to explain to you the house rule is if your paladin doesn't follow it, the ethereal mummy show, follows God's word, the ethereal mummy shows up and strikes you dead. Why is he just being dickhead? <clears throat> yeah, I'm just saying that this is the thing. You have there's dickhead house rules, right? Well, the worst the worst the worst house rule scenarios I've run into are uh, where they're inconsistent. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that usually yeah. that that's that's the hardest part about them. Is, in my experience, anyway, is that it needs to be a consistent thing that you're doing, at least for that campaign. This batch of characters in Avalon, we have decided X. Cool. Great. It becomes something you're going to do long enough. I know we don't always like documenting our work, but sometimes you got to document your work because you want you want to be fair. You want to make sure everybody understands everything. You know, that's that's the that's when they get ugly. Yeah, not explaining. That's not that's not any different than not explaining the root period, the rules, period. Oh, you're new to the game. Great. Have a seat. That's your character. Well, Here's some dice. If, Ready? Have you ever had go? I have, have you ever had that where you sit down? And, oh, you play D&D. Oh, I know first edition AD&D. That sounds great. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, old paladin started a negative blah, blah, blah. Wait, what? Yeah, that's a house rule we have. I don't. Okay. No, I, no one told me that. I don't know about that. Oh, I have. I've had that happen. Uh, it was ages and ages yeah. back, but I've had this happen to me. Yeah. I don't play with that person anymore. No. Like, that would be, yeah, that would be like playing Monopoly and not explain the rules. Hey, you want to play Monopoly? Okay, cool. All right, so this is what I do, and this is, oh, by the way, oh, yeah. That's how most Monopoly fights have started that I've seen. Someone goes in there, well, in my, in my family, we always play Monopoly like this. Well, that's not how we do it here. Well, that's dumb. I think you should do it this way. Ugh. House rule brawls, man. Those are fun too. Monopoly by the rules, you gotta be a dickhead. Yeah, that's the that's the reason you play it. That's why people hate monopolies. And if you don't, <laughs> and if you yeah, if you don't know how if you don't know how to actually put something up for auction in Monopoly, and you're doing it wrong. Anyway, anyways, is there any, next week ever, on Gaming and BS <laughs> we talk about Monopoly? About Monopoly. <laughs> have you run into any house rules? Are you like those are really cool. I like those. That was fun. I should utilize that. I'm sure I have. I just don't. I don't remember. But is it sticking though? I mean, if you honestly, if you did, you'd be like, oh yeah, this happened. I like that. I mean, I would. I just haven't. I, I haven't Nothing. mentally kept track of them. Nothing's good enough for Sean. You know, Brad. I used sorry, to play so it, many was games. that a published? Was that a published rule? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Turns know. his turns his nose up and walks away like a cat with new food. <laughs> what is that shit? How dare you put that in my bowl? <laughs> you know, if you want to mod something, go bro- go for broke. But you know what? You can just buy something down the road that does probably eighty percent of what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I guess all told, I don't mind house rules. I've done it myself, obviously. I think, as Sean said, he's done bits and pieces of it. I'm sure that there are plenty of uh, nasty ass house rules out there. So I think what I'd like to do. I want to know, know somebody's craziest house rule. That's what I'm going. Exactly. <laughs> I want to hear the weirdest ass fucking house rule somebody has had to deal with. If you show up late, if you're the last person, house rule is. Oh, there's a house rule Lenny had this that you could use a hero point to make someone at the table go get you a beer. Oh, I kind of like that. So at the table, you'd be like, I need a beer. And they look at you, flip them a hero point, fine. He gets up, has to go to the other room, <laughs> get the beer out of the beer fridge, and come all the way back. It was just annoying, but that was a house rule, man. That's one I could get behind. Yeah. I appreciate that. So <laughs> let us know what your house rules are, what your definitions. Do you love them? you hate them? you got some really good ones? Have you seen some super shitty ones? Lay it on us. Let us know what you think. And thank you, Mr. Uh, Peter Isaac, for the uh, 
for the idea there. That's cool. I think I'm going to implement one for Jeff. He can't play the same type of character more like than in, in sequence. Back to back, yeah. Back to back. I'm sorry. Now I have one to define palette. what that means. One paladin per year. It can't be. Calendar year. It can't be. It, the name can't end in Inthalus. <laughs> Vinthalus, Tinthalus, Ganthalus, Tanthalus. None of that shit. None. Zero. Or oh, I'm Tannis. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, we better get on the die roll. That's die roll. I could it's house rule Jeff all day. <laughs> we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> we don't. D, die roll D, 2D, 4. Miscellaneous points, a game and a geekery. Got a few this week. Um, first one, this role-playing AI makes a great dungeon master. I've got the article on futurism.com by Dan Robitsky. Uh, this is the one that Brett wanted burned. Yeah, it's a robot. I hate robots. Not, well. Yeah, it's AI. It's AI taking my jobs. I want it dead. Light on fire. It's out for, it's out for Brett's job. Yeah, the, I want it dead. The DM. I want it dead. Brett's been outsourced. <laughs> God damn it. Streets of Avalon. No, not, outsourced. Not, not, not anymore. Not, not anymore. Not run by Brett anymore. No. Second one, Rivers of London gets an RPG from Call of Cthulhu creators, Chaosium. Did you see that, Did you, you know that thing, Brett? No, I do not. I think Rivers of London. I don't know. Is that a comic? Uh, ignorance. Sorry. Looks like it. Yeah, it looks like a, it's... Looks like a comic based on the art. They were gonna, or they, I think, announced it at PAX, and then it kind of got out from there. Very cool. So, I'll read that up. Yeah. So if you, it is a urban, there's kind of a uh, Dresden Files feel to it because I think there's a detective that becomes a sorcerer. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next one. Never unprepared. The complete game master's guide to session prep. Now in audio format on Audible. You beat me to that one. I was looking at the notes. Oh, I got to throw that Jared Rasher pointed it. it out. Yeah. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. So get your get some Phil Vecchio action. I was wondering who narrated it. Would it be the Phil? I don't think he did. No. I think I'd heard about it. He, no. did, he didn't. Uh, something to do, though, Phil. Yeah. Next one. New streaming show announced. D&D Presents DM'd. It's called D&D Presents. DM'd by Chris Perkin takes the place of dice camera action. Premieres mm. early 2020. Interesting. If you haven't heard, I did not know there was controversy around dice camera action. Hmm. The more you know. Yeah. There's controversy about us probably somewhere. Somewhere. Well, just, not that. Not like that. Not like that, really? A uh, little underage thing going on. Oh. Yeah, so. Oh. Yeah, but that's okay, been on. out of there for a while, I think. All right. Move on. All right. Next one. Under the Boardwalk, the Monopoly Story documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty good. I liked it, even though I think it's like three stars on IMDb. If you're, I just put it in there for everybody to know about. If you like game stuff, go ahead. And then the last one, Brett's new Twitter handle will be in the die roll as well. Sweet. Follow Brett and Twitter bomb him. <laughs> That's what I need. That's what I need. Brett needs my phone. My phone will be like, what the hell? How do we successfully Twitter bomb Brett until he gets mad enough to get kicked back off? <laughs> That's how you know you win again. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is it for this week. That's all we have. There was an, uh, something about drive through RPG as well. I just want to uh, put a link in the show notes um, that there was some kerfuffle about a submission that was being reviewed that had to do with police and minorities. The word is drive through RPG was reviewing the title. 
Yes. To be considered. They went to PAX, the one bookshelf folks. And in that time, the publisher went on drive through, used accessible fields that people have access to when they set up their store to basically say that it was denied when it wasn't denied. And so drive through subsequently banned them for slander. And a dumbass publicity stunt, if that's all true. Yeah. Um, not the way to do things. And then, of course, the Twitterverse went, holy hell, freaked out on one bookshelf. Oh, they're <sighs> censoring. And it was like terrible. Those assholes at one bookshelf. They're, somebody hates somebody, dude. And then people that came to their senses were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait on. Well, hold on a second. Let's make sure we got this right. And then, of course, what happened is like the torches and, you know, the gasoline's already been lit. Yeah, some some people got burned. There were some Good people time. that were like, "Oh, hey, just FYI, time out. I uh, there's been an update. I'm gonna hold the hold up on the pitchforks." <clears throat> yeah. But at this point, I mean, if people don't see that, <sighs> so I will just put a link to the to the drive-through tweet that said, "Hey, we'll just we'll just wait till next week when everybody's mad about something else." Hey, man, just another day. Exactly. All right. What are we talking about next week, Brett? Do we know? I don't know yet, man. I a couple of different ideas. I'll throw them at you. We'll see what we come up with. Okay. You good? I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. Let's move on. Well, hey, I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Larry Howard, Mark Visaka. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Role Playing, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, uh, Hus Carl, Roger Brasslett, Mark Sohm, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Mirko Froelich, Kevin Lovecraft, Tur- Curtis Takahashi, Joe Swick. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us thanks bsers this has been a litterbox studio production gaming and bs episode 271 being recorded monday december 9th 2019 <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> first day of the job Ha, 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 ha.